Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just open your heart to receive. Open your heart to receive. Hallelujah. Don't, don't, don't let what's going to be said here this morning bypass you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. The word that Dr. Sewell gave us a few weeks ago was 2024 will be a year of progressing, advancing, and seeing our highest expectation fulfilled. But before he ever deposited that word into our hearts, he gave us a warning. And I may not say it exactly right, but he said, we're going to have to stay in faith. And we're going to have to stay focused. And we're going to have to not allow the enemy to distract us. Right? If you have your Bible, turn to Luke 21. And there's some things that I've, I've given us each week since really our anniversary service. These six points that I saw in a successful New Testament church. And I believe these are also our keys that will cause us to see advancement in our life. And the first key was a deep commitment to God. Second one was a life of worship, prayer, and praise. Number three was a life that's devoted to the word of God. Number four was having a firm reliance on the Holy Spirit. It was also having a strong devotion to one another. That was love and unity and generosity. Amen. That's, that's, that's this connection, this need that we have one for another. Amen. And number six was a compelling desire to see the lost come to Christ. Hallelujah. Have you had a conversation with someone this past week about Christ? Did you have a conversation? Amen. It's amazing what can happen in the midst of a conversation. Amen. Hallelujah. You are anointed and gifted. You're like, well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not a minister. No, no, no. You understand you are a minister. And if you have, you have uh, the new creation reality down on the inside of you, you old things have passed away and all things became new. And then he deposited his, his life giving spirit on the inside of you. You have something life given to deposit on the inside of someone else. Hallelujah. So, so as a church family, as a church body, we're going to continue to encourage each one of us that we are to have conversations that, w- that will cause people to intersect with their destiny. Right. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So our, our, my heart is a pastor and we say this in our meetings and we kind of laugh about it with Joseph because he's our evangelism director, but we always say each one reach one, each one reach one. Amen. And I'm believing that each one of us are going to minister and bring at least one person into the kingdom, whether we bring them into these walls or not, that one person every month for the next 12 months for, for 2024. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Say, here am I. Here am I. Send, me. Send me. Say, I'll do my part. Say, God's setting me up. To have encounters. Amen. Amen. So let's get into this assignment that we have this morning. Now, let me say your hearts are open, right? Hey, don't, don't play church with me this morning. I'm not playing church with you. If this would be the last service that we were to ever have, 
because we couldn't meet in a corporate setting. That's how you need to listen to this message today as your life depends upon it. That's how we need to come to the house of God, that what I'm about to hear is going to change my life forever. Luke 21, it says, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. I mean, can we see that in our world today? And on the earth, distress of nations? I'm not going to deal with what I dealt with. The Lord, Lord has to deal with Wednesday night, but we dealt with fear on Wednesday night. And if you're not here on Wednesday night, you're really missing. Wednesdays are miracle Wednesdays. I'm telling you, you need to get here on Wednesday nights. Amen. 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 Is that corrected you? Let it correct. Amen. <laughs> or convicted, I should say. But the perplexity, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things that are coming on the earth. Now, I'm not going to unpack this this morning as it being an end times message, but it's an end time reality that we're living in because we can see that there is a distressing that's happening within our nation There's a distressing happening within the nations of the world. There is confusion. There is a teeter and a tottering, a a going back and forth, an instability that's happening. And it says what's happening when all those things are happening, it's saying men's hearts are failing them because of what they're seeing coming on the earth. You see, the warning that our founder gave us was stay in faith, stay focused, and not be distracted by the enemy. He also read out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it tells us in the last days, there will be perilous times, hard to deal with and hard to bear. We're in perilous times, right? Right? We are in seeing the distress that's happening in the nations and we're seeing people operated and motivated by fear because of what's happened in the earth, but not us. Come on. Say, not me. Not me. You see, we, we, we have to look at what's happening in the world because we keep reading here. The, the whole thing comes down to is look up because your redemption draws near. See, that's, that's the reality when you see these things that are coming the earth for you and I, what we need to do is we need to look up because our redemption draws near. We're not looking at what's going on in the earth, but we're looking up to where our help comes from. We're looking to where our strength comes from. We're looking to where our hope comes from. My hope is in him. So I'm not in fearful fear of like the rest of the world because of what we might might see happening now or what we might happen in the future. No, I'm looking up to where my help comes from. I'm looking up because my redemption draws near. And so we see these things that, that, that Jesus communicates, the apostle Paul communicates on, on what's happening in the world. 
But we have to make sure that we're not distracted by those things. I I believe the enemy is on all out attack and he is meant to destroy families, destroy churches, destroy callings, destroy dreams, destroy hopes and destroy ultimately people's faith in God. I believe that's why the Holy Spirit has prompted us to be stay in faith, to stay focused and not be distracted by the enemy. We have to understand according to John 10.10, and I'm going to use that word a lot, we have to understand. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only except to kill, to steal, and destroy. He doesn't come for any other reason. Settle that. And if you're dabbling in different things that you shouldn't be dabbling in, you need to know that the whole purpose of it is to steal, kill, and destroy. If anger is in your life, you have to understand it's only for one reason. It's to steal, to kill, and destroy. If you're battling temptations and different things, you have to understand it's for one reason. It's not to see what you're made of. It's to steal, it's to kill, and it's destroy. When Jesus and the disciples were going to the other side of the lake and there was a great storm of hurricane proportion that came against them, it wasn't to see if they were men of faith or not. Some people had the religious idea of, oh, they just wanted to, Jesus just wanted to recognize, recognize where their faith was. No, it wasn't. No, Satan didn't want Jesus on the other side of that sea. Why? Because there was a demon-possessed man there that had the whole community in fear. And as long as that community was in fear, then Satan was able to steal, kill, and destroy from that community. But when they got to the other side... When they got to the other side, Jesus came out and that demon possessed man came on the seashore and said, 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 you're here before your time. And, and Jesus, he goes, he's relieving him for many. No, Jesus ends up casting him out and sets the whole community free. And the man wants to come with Jesus and Jesus says, no, stay here and tell your story to Decapolis, which means is the 10 surrounding cities. So it wasn't to see what the disciples were made of. No, it was to kill Jesus. It was to kill the disciples to keep them from setting someone free. So when you finally understand that the temptations that are in your life aren't to trip you up, but they're to destroy you because you have people to set free. You have, you have communities to save. You have schools to change. You have a neighborhood to change. You have people to set free. You have a government that needs Jesus. You have, you have a community, a city council that needs something greater when they might currently have. But as long as you keep dealing in the realm of allowing him to steal, kill, and destroy, what's happening is Satan's just, hey, they ain't going to set nobody free. And as long as you keep putting, well, one day, well, one day, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pursue. One day, I'll, I'll go after Jesus with all that I am. One day, I'll, I'll do that. Hey, because one day may never come. 
one day may never come. That's why we can't play church. And you can't play Christian. Because you were made for so much more. You're made for so much more. The enemy wants to destroy you before you step into the fullness of your call. Man, think of all of us really were able to grasp the fullness of the call of God on our lives. What would our community look like? Wow, that's sobering. So what's stopping us? What's stopping us? So the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. As people do too many times, we settle for a life, the life we have instead of possessing our intended life. The enemy wants to limit your dreams, limit your vision, and limit your faith. The enemy wants us to see all the present, ne- present negative because if, we, but if, because if we focus on that, we'll never see God's unlimited plan. There's a life that God has planned for each one of us. The question is, will we walk it out? I say walk it out because life doesn't just happen. Because life is not and will not be automatic. And when I say life, I'm not talking about our understanding of this segment of when I was born and when I die. I'm talking about the God kind of life. See, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. So abundant life isn't automatic. It's going to be something you have to walk it, walk out. You will never be able to just go through the motions and expect the God kind of life to fill your life. Go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Before I read this, just to remind you of a scripture in 1 Peter 2, 9, and he tells us, Peter tells us, you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're chosen. You're chosen. Say, I'm chosen. Do you believe that? Your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation that you would show forth the praise of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Are you chosen? Look to your neighbor and say, I'm chosen. <laughs> Look to the other side and say, I'm chosen by God to do great things. Look at here in Ephesians 1. Uh, I'll start reading in verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. Already has, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse four, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So get that. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And then there's a phrase here. It says that we should. So there's the purpose on why we've been chosen. The purpose is that we would be holy and without blame before him in love. It's possible for you to walk free. Amen. Why? Because he chose me from the foundation of the world that I should be holy. So we understand that reality that we've been chosen. And even when I was in maybe the darkest places of my life, doing what I knew I shouldn't have been doing, in the back of my mind and in in the recesses of my heart, I knew I had a call in my life. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't change that. I, I knew deep down why. Because I believe that something that our creator puts in each one of us. Just ask yourself, go back to even when you didn't know, know, God, know God or you didn't serve Jesus, it was something on the inside of you, you knew you were made for something more. Yes. Do you agree with that? Yes. Do you agree with that? Yes. When you were out doing whatever you were doing, deep on the inside of you, you're like, I'm made for more than this. Yes. This is not who I really am. Yes. Get so frustrated at myself because I knew this is not who I'm meant to be. So I have a question. Yeah, let me say this. I, I was reminded of Dr. Savell on February 11th of 1969 at three o'clock in the morning. And in tears in his eyes and crying out to God, Dr. Savell makes a statement. He would have been 23 or 24 at that time. 23, heard the call of God on his life when he was 11. But yet, 12 years later, 12 years, he finally lifts his hands to God and and says, God, I don't know if you still want me, here I am. I don't know why you would, but here I am. You see it, God's choice never changed. It's not, it's, it, God's choice is not the issue here. We've already established what God's choice is. And I could take you to tons of scriptures about his choice for you. That you're the apple of his eye. That when we were not a people... We were made to be the people of God. He, he didn't choose us because we were more in number. He chose us because he loved us. But yet, but yet it, wasn't, it, it wasn't, God wasn't hindering Dr. Savell's destiny. God had already chose Dr. Savell. Just like he's already chose you. The question is not about God's choice. It's about your choice. He's already done the choosing. 
And on that day, on February 11th of 1969, he said, God, I've run from you for 12 years. And I don't know if you still want me, but if you do, here I am. I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad he did. Has your life been affected by Dr. Savell? Keep your hand up if it has. Jim, what if you didn't make a change in your life? What if you never made the choice? Ask yourself, what if you didn't make the choice? Ask yourself, what if I'm not making the choice right now? Can someone else put their hand up and said they'd be, they're grateful for you because if you didn't choose... There's a room full of people somewhere, maybe 10 years from now, maybe 20 years from now. That they say, Jim, I'm glad Jim answered the call. Because Jim answered the call, I, I wouldn't have met Jesus. That's how weighty we need to see our life. He chose us. The question is, what are we choosing? Do we choose bondage or do we choose freedom? Do we choose offense or do we choose forgiveness? Do we choose hard work or do we choose laziness? Do we choose darkness or do we choose life? It's simple. It's simple. Your destiny is just, just has everything to do with you choosing life. Go to Deuteronomy 30. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Mm. Verse 19. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Man, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. So if you were to stand on trial... What can heaven report and what can the earth report? I've never seen that until just now. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Choose life. Thank you, Father. 
you will find whatever you're pursuing and what you're choosing. Life doesn't happen, just happen, it's a choice. Let's go to, we'll come back to Deuteronomy 30 in a little bit, but let's go to Psalms chapter 11. Psalms 11. Hallelujah. Mm. Holy Spirit, thank you for being our teacher. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing the word today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. That you lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. That we will not leave here the way we came. Hallelujah. Psalms 11. Verse 1 says, In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Verse 2 says, for look, and that's an exclamation point. This is emphatic, meaning look, for look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot secretly, secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, I translated this word for word based on um, uh, looking at the Strong's in this verse two about the wicked, what the wicked does. Now, listen to this. It says, the wicked are walking about, they're being cruel, tough, and severe. Now, think, this is, we're not talking about flesh and blood, but think about the God of this world, the one that steals, kills, and destroys. The wicked, or we can say the enemy, is walking about being cruel, tough, and severe. The enemy is making ready his weapons that pierce, that they may in darkness point or aim a finger with deception or accusation. So the enemy is trying to point at you and bring accusations about what you're not. The enemy is trying to point his finger at you to bring deception. That's the two things that the enemy wants to do is deceive you or bring accusations against you. And the psalmist goes, if the foundation of, of the righteous is destroyed, what can they do? Meaning if we don't know what the foundation is, we'll always be led away by the deception and the accusations. The answer to this is in verse one. What's the foundation? In the Lord, I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Becky, can you put that up in the Passion Translation, please? Verse one. Lord, don't you hear what my well-meaning friends keep saying to me? Run away while you can, fly away like a bird to hide in the mountains for safety, for your enemies have prepared a trap for you. They plan to destroy with slander. The very first part of that where it says, my trust says, my faith shelters my soul continually in Yahweh. My faith shelters my soul continually In Yahweh, my my faith shelters me 
continually in Yahweh. So when the enemy is coming against me, what, what is the foundation of my life? My faith is my trust. Soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, I'm not moving from this place of trust. It doesn't matter that the enemy is going about accusing me. It doesn't matter of him going about trying to deceive me. But I'm going to stand strong, I'm going to stand tall, and I'm going to stand in this position and place of trust. In the Lord, I put my trust. Go to Psalms 118. Psalms 118. So how do we deal with the enemy? Because the the enemy is going to come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? That's his MO. That's his mode of operation. But there's two things that I see the psalmist doing here that causes him to be victorious over the enemy. Hallelujah. Because if our trust is destroyed, that's our foundation. We have nothing less to stand on. Psalms 118, for the sake of time, let's look at verse uh, five. I called on the Lord in my distress. The Lord answered me and he set me in a broad place. You see, when you call on him, he then now has the ability to, to take you out of that attack and put you in a different place, in a broad place. See, the enemy wants to bring you to a confined place. He wants to confine you, restrict you, and hinder you. But yet when you call upon him in distress, the psalmist psalmist says that he takes me out into a broad place. That means a place where there's no limitations. The enemy's the one limiting you, not God. I don't know how the, the enemy has convinced people in humanity that God just wants to limit me and keep me small. No, 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 no. It's the enemy has deceived people because no, it's the enemy is the one that wants to keep you small. But God wants to bring you into a play, a broad place. God just doesn't want me to have fun. God just doesn't want this or God doesn't want that. No, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. No, that's the enemy that wants you to keep you confined and limit you. But he says, he takes me into a broad place. Verse six says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is, the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I, therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. Now, listen, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better, say it's better. It's better better to put my faith, my confidence, my trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. So the first thing that we see David doing is he made the choice to trust in God in the midst of distress. Now, let's look at the second thing he did. Verse 10, all nations surround me, but the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. (laughs) In the name of the Lord, I'll destroy them. 
I like the sound of that. Verse 11, they surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but, the, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. <laughs> in the name of the Lord, I'll destroy them. Hallelujah. That's powerful, right, Joseph? So what's coming against you? What is holding you up? In the name of the Lord, I destroy that. In the name of the Lord, I'm stronger than that. In the name of the Lord, I'm better than that. I'll give you a better definition here in a minute. Hallelujah. Verse 12, they surrounded me like bees. They were quenched. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surround me like bees. That's what the enemy likes to do, make a whole lot of noise and surround you. Did you, get a, you, you ever been driving and there's a bee in the car? <laughs> They're surrounding you like bees. It's like... That, that's what the enemy wants. He wants to surround you with, with noise. He wants to surround you with fear, to surround you with all sorts of things. But he says, I will destroy them. Now, let me give you a definition of what these three words destroy actually are in the Hebrew. This word destroy means circumcise. If you look up the, the word destroy there in the Hebrew and, and what that word actually is, it means circumcise. What means to cut off. This is what the enemy's doing, but I will cut you. I think Medea might have said that, but David said it first. I will cut you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like, just go stop, Justin. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> I mean, bottom line is you got to stop playing around with it. Yeah. I'm not going to play around with the enemy any longer. I'm going to cut it off. Yeah. Also, circumcised doesn't just mean to cut, but it means to separate. Circumcised also isn't just a cutting, but it is a sign of whose you are. It's a sign of who owns you and who you're in covenant with. I'm going to cut this off. Why? Because I trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. Thank you, Father. Go to, let's go to verse 21. Now, remember when I transitioned praise and worship, I used the scripture. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And a lot of times we use that, and, it, and it's, it's something we can use during praise and worship. It's something that we can start our praise and worship with because this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, today, Sunday, November 5th, this is the day he made. He, we, we know he made this day and, and all that, and that's all good, but he's actually speaking to it something deeper here. Yeah. 
And I'm going to tell you what day that he's actually talking about. Do you want to know? Let's look at verse 21. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. I will praise you for you have answered me and you became my salvation. Now look at verse 22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoa. Next verse. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. I mean, he saw it. He saw it. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It's something the Lord did. And he says it's marvelous. It's wonderful. It's so good. I, I can't explain it in words. On, that's what David is. It's so good. I can't explain. I see something, but I don't see the fullness of it. I see something, but I'm not sure exactly what it all is. But it's this chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So what was the day? The day was when Jesus became our cornerstone. Why is today a day that we praise? Because Jesus is the chief cornerstone. David was saying, I'm going to build my life upon them. I see this is marvelous in our lives in that day, the day, the stone that the builders rejected. No, that's the chief cornerstone. Let's go to Isaiah 20, uh, 28. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. What is a cornerstone? It could be called the first laid stone. It's the first primary stone that is the reference point to other, other, every other stone. Meaning every other stone lines up with that stone. Now, I'll give you another definition, and this is something that went off on the inside of me on a, on a cornerstone. Everything else, it's where everything else finds its definition. The building, the structure that's being built out of that cornerstone, it is giving the definition of what that building will be and how strong that building will be. So the cornerstone is what gives us definition. Let me use another word. The cornerstone is what gives us meaning in life. Our, my life apart from him has no meaning. But when I have the chief cornerstone, now my life has purpose. So what is a, this cornerstone that we see? How, how does Isaiah define it? Verse 16 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. 
It's a tried. A cornerstone is a tried stone and it's precious. And it's sure. I'm telling you, building your life upon Jesus is sure. I've tried others. Tried to build my life upon other things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Hallelujah. Your call for greatness. Hallelujah. Building our life upon this chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. Stay in faith, stay focused so the enemy doesn't distract us. How, how do we do that? By building our life on this cornerstone. Hallelujah. Trusting in this cornerstone. Cutting things off that keep us from the cornerstone. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse 6 says, Therefore it is also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. It says, It's elect, it's precious. Now listen to this. And he who believes on, you can say, He who trusts in, he who has confidence in, him will by no means be put to shame. Another word for shame is disappointed. When you choose to build your life upon this chief cornerstone, you don't have to worry about being disappointed. See, disappointment. We have a feeling of disappointment when we've let others down, right? But when I build my life upon the chief cornerstone, There's nothing he's going to have me do where I ever have to be ashamed. The enemy would love to keep you in a place of shame, in a place of disappointment. But I'm telling you, when you build your life upon the sure, the elect, the precious cornerstone, there's nothing you need to be ashamed of. Wow. Thank you, Father. You have time for two more scriptures? Go to Acts chapter four. Worship team, you can come back up. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Acts four. I choose to build my life on the chief cornerstone. Thank you, Lord. Verse 9. It says, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man. And this is referring to a man that was just healed. A lame man that was healed at the gate. And they're judging them and they're getting, getting all over them. This is in the book of Acts. This is the New Testament church. And he says, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to help to, to, uh, to a helpless man, by what means has he been made well? 
let it be known to you all. Now listen to this. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Why do I bring that out? One, because you need to know that salvation isn't going to come another way. There's not another answer. So choose him now. Choose him now. Choose him now. Don't reject him. Choose him. He's chosen you. Let's choose him. Let me close with this. Go back to Deuteronomy 30. How do we come? How do we continue to make Jesus our chief cornerstone? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Yes, Lord, I'll say that. I think in our minds often we see our lives as being eternal down here. It's like we don't live with an eternity mindset. We live as if another day is going to happen tomorrow and another day after that and another day after that and we just put off what we know we should be doing today. But do you realize he, he says that your choices don't just affect you but it's both you and your descendants may live. Your choices affect the next generation. The enemy wants us to be short-sighted in being in it for the moment, the immediate frustration, or they may be mad, so I'm just gonna do this. I'll, I'll prove them. I'll, I'll, pr- I'll prove it to them. Yeah, yeah, they, they do that to me, then yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna do this. Not realizing that your choice is not just about you, but according to this, is generations after you. So how do we continue to make him chief cornerstone? Look at verse 20 that you may love the Lord your God. This is the choice. This is put him first place. What choices can I make today that will change the rest of my life? It's simple. It's simple. It's making a choice to make him first place. 
Not second choice, first choice. Allowing him to become the love of your life. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know, I, I, I feel alone. Psalm 68, scripture I held on to, it says he puts solitary in families. But if you're over here and not pursuing him, then what happens is he doesn't have the ability to meet the need in your life like he wants to. If you're trying to figure it out over here, then it's not allowing him to to really do what he wants to do in your life, in every area of your life, relationships, peace of mind, whatever it might look like. If we're trying to do it, then we're not trusting him. My life has to be built on the chief cornerstone. But how do I continue in that? I put in first place to love the Lord thy God. The next one is that you may obey his voice. That means I'm going to do the word. If we could just do these three things, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your life will go to another level. If you can just, if we can implement these three things in our life, you're going to see progressing and you're going to see advancement and you're going to see some highest expectation fulfilled. If we could implement these three things on what it means to build our life upon the chief cornerstone. And the first one is put him first place. The second is obey him. Just be obedient. Just obey Now listen to this third one. Hallelujah. And that you may cling to him. Now get this. For he is your life and the length of your days. Put him first place. Be a doer of the word. And cling to him. Because he's your life and the length of your days. The word cling here means to adhere to like glue. It means to catch by a furious pursuit. It means to abide and it means follow close to. To build my life upon the chief cornerstone. I put him first. I'm a doer of the word and I cling to him because he is my life and the length of my days. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. I just see, I just in my mind's eye, in my spirit, man, I just have a vision of us going higher. I see you going higher. I see each one of us going higher. Mm. 
We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Right now, Lord, we repent. We repent where we haven't allowed you to be the chief cornerstone. Lord, we repent, Lord, where we haven't, you haven't been the one we've trusted in. Lord, right now, we bring our lives to you and we repent where we haven't cut off the enemy, where we haven't separated ourselves or circumcised ourselves from the things that are keeping us back. Hallelujah. Lord, we make a decision today, Lord, to go all in. We make a decision today that our life will be built upon this chief cornerstone. That we won't be like those that rejected the chief cornerstone, but we will be ones that embrace the chief cornerstone. Today we choose life. Today we choose to love God with all our heart. Today we choose to be a doer of the word. Today we choose to cling to him who is our life and the length of our days. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and repeat this after me. Today, I bring my life and I choose to stand upon the chief cornerstone. I will leave here today and I'll put him first. I'll be a doer of the word and I will cling to him. The enemy has no place in me. I will fulfill the call on my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one, one last thing. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad. Now that scripture makes more sense. I'm glad. Why? Because I've got a chief cornerstone that I'm building my life upon. Amen. Amen. We'll give him another shout of praise. Pastor Alex. Hallelujah.